You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Welcome to the Let's Be Honest podcast, episode 14. I am your host, Frank Styles. Got an interesting topic today that we're going to be discussing with my panel, and it's going to be church hurt and why so many people are turning away from religion. But before we get into that and I introduce my panel, I do want you guys to take a listen to this clip. How do you respond when you've given your life, your time, and a whole bunch of your money to a church only to be disappointed and hurt? That's our topic today on The Beat. Hey everyone, my name is Alan Parr. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Here on The Beat, we release a new video every single Tuesday, and today we are talking about dealing with church hurt. And I can tell you personally from my experience that I have dealt with everything from a pastor in college trying to come on to me to another pastor later on calling me the N-word from the pulpit during his sermon. I also personally know people who have given their hard-earned money to churches only to find that whenever they were in need, whether it may be financial or they or their loved ones were sick and in the hospital and nobody from the church came to check up on them, nobody visited them, nobody called them, and this has left them bitter, angry, and disappointed with church. And so today I just want to give you a few things to consider when dealing with church hurt. Number one, be careful not to allow a negative church experience to cause you to drift away from God. Whenever you experience church hurt, you will be strongly tempted to just throw up your hands and say, you know what, God, I am through with church and I am through with you. God invites us in his word and he says, call on me in the day of trouble. And so if you're going through a season where you're not really regularly going to church, it's in these times when you have to be extra intentional to draw even closer to God in Bible study, in prayer, and in worship. Because if you do not do this, I promise you, you will find yourself quickly drifting away from God. Number two, extend grace to your leaders. So what ends up happening is we end up putting pastors and leaders up on such a high pedestal that whenever they disappoint us, we are crushed. We have to understand that they are human too. And so depending on the size of the church, there's a good chance that they could have easily overseen an email, a text message, or a request for help. So we must always remember that even though we were hurt by a church, it very well may not have been their intent to do so. Number three, don't judge all churches by one church. It's so interesting to me that whenever we get hurt in our romantic relationships, we somehow find enough courage to jump into another one. And if it's a good relationship, we're glad that we did because if we hadn't done it, then we could have easily missed out on the person that God had for us. In the same way, no matter how many negative church experiences that you may have had, I want to encourage you to continue to try to find the right church for you. 
pray and use wisdom and ask God to lead you to the right church because if you don't, you could very well be short-circuiting your own blessings. Number four is huge, and that is to bring it to the church's attention. The Bible says to speak the truth in love, and so as difficult as it is, and no matter how long ago it is, the only way that that church is going to improve is if we find enough courage to sit down with the leaders and clearly communicate our disappointment with them. When you do that, you are not only expediting the healing process in your own life, but you are making that church aware so that somebody else down the line will not have to experience the same pain that you did. Number five is a tough one, and that is to resist the urge to speak negatively about that church or that church leader. And so whenever we are bitter, angry, and frustrated with a church, it's easy for us to find ourselves slandering the church or slandering the leader and speaking negatively about that person to someone else who may be interested in going to that church, and as a result, without even knowing it, the enemy is using us to cut off and short-circuit the blessing that God may want to do in and through that person's life in that church. Finally, number six, to forgive those who have hurt you. At some point, we as Christians must grasp this truth that forgiveness is not an option. It is a command. If you are a Christian, we do not have the choice to remain angry, bitter, and unforgiving towards others. Forgiving them doesn't mean that the pain is gone, but it just simply means that we've gotten to the point where we can pray for them, we can love them, we can support them, we can speak well of them, and we can celebrate their success. So guys, I cannot tell you how how many times that I have been frustrated or disappointed with a church or a church leader, but I still give, I still serve, I still go, I still support, I still invite because I know that Jesus is using the church to reach the world and I desperately want to be a part of anything that Jesus is building. Guys, this is a super... Welcome to the Let's Be Honest podcast. I am your host, Frank Styles, and we are back with episode 14. Today we have an interesting topic we wanted to bring to all of our listening audience. We're going to be talking about church hurt and why so many people are moving away from religion. Today in the Styles Ball Studios with me, I have a panel, and uh, as you guys know, Juan is here. Juan is back. Uh, Juan was off last week, uh, fresh out of Nebraska. He is back, so Juan is in the Styles Ball Studios. Uh, we have Mr. Floyd Costner, who is going to be giving us his take on uh, this subject, and the first, uh, the actually the second lady that we've actually had on the show, she is a, uh, she writes poetry, she is a songwriter, she is, Miss Madame is in the building with us as well, welcome to the show, and welcome to Let's Be Honest Podcast. Hi, how are you? <laughs> great, great, I'm glad I'm you're able to come on. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. No problem. No problem. So let's let's get right into it. You know, oftentimes, guys, we hear a lot about um, religion and church. And um, Ms. Madame, one of the reasons Juan and I had talked about this subject a couple of weeks ago was our last um, uh, guest uh, was on the show, Miss Horn, uh, who was actually a former bully, uh, Buffalo police officer who lost her job. She was actually fired for stopping another police officer from choking a suspect. And as we got into our interview with her, I believe that one was episode 12. But when we had an interview with her, one of the things that she actually said was, you know, the church used to be involved in a lot of civil rights matters. The church used to be willing to help in the community. And 
she said for whatever reason in Buffalo at that time, and even today, the church wasn't really helping her, even though um, everybody was saying that she had an injustice done to her by them firing her and not being able to have her pension. You know, they wouldn't give her a pension. They said she worked 19 years when she worked 20. Then the cop that she stopped turned around and sued her. And uh, since then, that cop was later um, indicted by the FBI for a violation of the civil rights for the same things. He, he admitted to doing the same things that she stopped him from doing. So Juan and I were talking, and we were like, you know, that, that really stood out to us. And so we said, you know, we need to discuss um, church hurt. It was also um, brought up um, by some, some of my family members and some other listeners you know, they said this is a very, very sensitive topic, but here we're honest and we want to give common sense theories, but also um, talk about those things that we know. So let's get into it. So I, I pulled up something, the definition of uh, church hurt, which was told by Erica Campbell, who, as you know, is um, from the group, the famous gospel group, Mary Mary. And she gave a definition of a church hurt. Let me see if I can find this for you guys really quickly. Uh, where is the church hurt? Her definition of church hurt. She says that church hurt, it says it occurs when you've been a victim of a total abuse of power in the church. This abuse of power could be anything from sexual assault and molestation to psychological manipulation. Erica talks a bit about folks who may be coming to church without an understanding of their own voice who rely too heavily on leaders and their point of view. It's important to remember that your church leaders are human beings, not God. So just like any human, sometimes your church leaders make mistakes. It's important to attribute those mistakes to their humanity, not God or Jesus Christ. Out this, uh, out this. Uh, well, she's got a clip in there. So they were talking about the clip, but I didn't play the clip. So, so let's start let's let's start with you Ms. Madame. what do you what do you think about the definition of church hurt or what does church hurt mean to you and have you have you experienced uh, that before um so the definition of church hurt to me i think she um kind of tackled the definition of it um i would like to maybe add to that mm-hmm. um where it's intentional not just saying oh you know human you know and making mistakes i think a lot of it comes from when when it's intentional um you know wrongdoings you know things like that um i i also i like when she said you know people rely too heavily on their leaders as if they're gods or as if you know just too much versus um, their relationship with God, like their perspective of why they're coming to church and what they're supposed to be doing and things like that are warped. And I, I feel like that um, it, the church these days are changing, not all of them, but mm-hmm. um, I think it's a difference when you talk about religion and, um, you know, the way the church is going. And now a lot of religion has to do with a lot of that you ask me, but, um, I have experienced, um, church hurt. Absolutely. Okay. You care about, you <laughs> care about to share that, share a little bit with us? Yes, absolutely. So, um, quickly, um, so another, what I also love to do is I, I dance, um, I, I choreograph, I, 
um, like to teach dance and everything. And when, you know, no names, but when moving to um, North Carolina, um, I started here with the church. I was actually referred from my church in New York to a particular church here in North Carolina. And so with that referral, I said, okay, I'll start off there. So I did that. Um, and I don't like to sit. I'm, I'm a very active person. I like to play a part and get involved in whatever I do. Um, so I like to dance. And so I've seen a, a opportunity for <clears throat> me to be able to dance or teach the youth or whatnot because I was qualified. I wasn't coming unqualified. Mm-hmm. Um, so I proposed the 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 uh, proposed it and you know wanted to get involved, help, share my time, and et cetera. And not only did I do that, but uh, people recognized it in me too, and went before people not on my not with me asking, but said, you know, I'm going to speak to so and so and so and so. It took I don't think I've ever danced at that church, but one night I was there for maybe three years, except for on um, New Year's night. And I had to almost push my way through to do it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't any kind of, I I don't know why, but after I left that church, I moved on to another church, and it wasn't as hard. I taught dance there for um, three years with the youth, third through fifth graders, about 20 girls Mm -hmm. through a lot of different things. And so with that, um, that hurt me. It, it made me want to, I was shunned away. I wasn't able to participate, share my gifts. Um, I was, you know, not trying to have a position, but try to, you know, add to and add my gifts to the church. Um, yeah, a lot of church hurt, a lot of church hurt there. Um, so I've experienced a few things, but I, I recognize in that, that you have to not do, you, you have to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. And with my relationship being to, with, uh, with God and um, my, my being here to serve, you know, when you recognize that, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't hurt as much. <laughs> so did you feel like it was almost, it was one of those things like, okay, so you're the new member of the church. Did you feel like it was almost like, who are you to be trying to, um, you know, invade into our our circle because you, as you know and this is not every church so i'm not speaking on every church but church <laughs> church are can be very much like school very clickish there are a lot of clicks in oh, church God. and if you if you are not it's within that inner circle it's very possible yeah. for them to make you feel the way that you felt which was more or less shunned then you know they'll pretend like they want you involved because obviously you know they can't say no we don't want yeah. you involved because then you would look at them crazy, right? Because you're in church. But the way that mm-hmm. they do it is very cliquish. They find ways for to prevent people from from doing uh, things. So that's that's interesting because um, I've experienced very cliquish um, circles, you know, in church. Or you give an idea, someone comes to you with an idea, you give an idea, and then instead of them coming to you as if, hey, Frank suggested this idea. They make it their idea, you know, as if they're uh-huh. presenting it. Yeah. Um, so churches can be very cliquish. One, what, what's your thoughts on the definition of church hurt? And have you as well experienced any type of church hurt as you're studying um, uh, evangelism? Um, yes and no. Okay. 
I have been, I, I won't say that I've hurt, I would say more or less disappointed. Okay. Um, some people have the idea that when you go into church, everybody's going to be perfect, everybody's going to love you, everybody's going to be there for you. But the truth is, is that you're dealing with humans. No matter where you go, you're dealing with man. And so even if you go into the church, you have certain ideas that perfect place, everybody's come here to love God, to worship God, to be faithful to God. I mean, in reality, that's not the truth. You have people who come there for different reasons. They, some people want to get into positions of leadership because that's the only place that they feel like they can rule certain areas. Mm -hmm. So you have a husband that can't do anything with his wife, but then wants to come into the church and wants to take over because he can't do it at home. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this this stuff starts happening, and a lot of people get ostracized, like you're saying about the cliques and stuff, because, well, I don't make a certain amount of money, I don't live in certain areas, but if you come to church, if you're true to who God is and, and Jesus is, then all this stuff should be thrown out the door. When I come into the, the body, into the fellowship with one another, it's not about how much money I have or my address or anything like that. It's about us coming to serve God and to work God. But when you have your eyes open and saying, well, he has a certain degree or he makes a certain amount of money or she lives in a certain address and we should that person for this and for that, then we're, we're there for the wrong purpose. We're, we're there to help one another, to, to, to be friendly to one another. We can't do that if we have certain people that get away with certain things just because they know certain people. Mm. And that leads us why a lot of people get hurt because, you know, my child did this and you want to punish my child, but then your child or uh, another prominent member child does something, then we're going to kind of shake it around the rug, shake it on the rug or, or, or just we're not really that bad. But when I did it, it was something that was terrible. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's what a lot of people go through because, I've gotten hurt because um, you did something to me and you knew that you did it to me and you just want to hide it. Mm. If we look at the the thing that's going on with the um, athletes right now, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are disappointed because this stuff has been going on and members knew about it, leadership knew about it, but nobody wanted to do anything about it. Right. When it could have been taken care of. And so when you go into the public and, and you see people see stuff like this on the news, they're thinking, well, you're supposed to be the church serving God, but how do you have these people molesting these children or or just abusing these children and you do nothing about it? Right. But you say that you're representing God. So I believe that's why a lot of people stay away from church because they see this kind of stuff going on and nobody's actually going to fix it and, and they don't want to be a part of it. That's a good, uh, very, very, uh, two very good points both of you make. So let me ask both of you then, so how did we get to this point? Because all three of us are old enough to remember going to church as kids. Um, I don't remember church being this way. Maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was because maybe I was too young and I didn't know how to identify those things, like I know how to identify Uh, things as as an adult. But I just don't remember you know, there was always groups and leaders and, you know, leaders of the church, people that were cliquish. And I know there were always those groups, especially coming in as a new member, you know, um, you know, they want to know about you. And to your point, unless you are of a certain status and you can help them gain something, some people feel like you don't belong there until they accept you in. It shouldn't be that way, obviously. But I don't, I don't remember church being the way it is now. You know, it's become... A lot of times, and Juan, you've heard me mention this before, where we talked about 
um, faith-based churches where, I mean, not faith-based churches, I'm sorry, uh, financially based churches where, you know, they preach, they preach yep. prosperity, um, about you give uh-huh. this, you get that. But I have said the way that I interpret what the Bible says regarding prosperity, prosperity doesn't necessarily have to be riches and, 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 and money. Prosperity can be a healthy family, uh, you know, a house, being mm-hmm. able to maintain your household, being able to maintain the life that, God has put us here to have prosperity. If it comes with mm-hmm. money, if God wants you to have that, I'm sure that He will give it to you. But these churches, some of them, there's about three or four out there that I've seen video clips where relatives have sent me clips, and I'm just like, this is not for me. Now, I wouldn't disrespect my relative because you know they are older, and um, I wouldn't disrespect them and tell them don't send me that. I just don't pay attention to it. I sort of ignore it. But there are churches that talk about. Hey, donating $500, you need to give $600, you need to give $1,000. And then I'm sitting here looking and I'm like, when did we get to this point with church? When has money become um, a major factor in how you deliver what's supposed to be the message in the word of God to God's people or to people? I don't understand that, you know, and I understand that part of church is business and you want to, you know, sow the seeds properly and you want to grow. But I feel like your church members, if the church is growing, your church members need to grow with the church. And I don't, I don't see that. What you see is the pastor there with the fancy suits, and you know, you know a, a nice suit and a real nice, 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 nice suit, right? And then I see, yeah, yeah. I see, then I see the uh, pastor driving the nice cars. It used to be, you know, the joke was always the pastors driving Cadillacs. Well, they drive in Bentleys, Rolls Royces, and any mm-hmm. other fancy name car that you have. Now, I'm not saying that you can't, if you want to buy a nice car, you can do that. But when you go to people and tell them that you, you know, if you give X and X, God is going to bless you. God is going to give you the ability to be able to do this and to have these nice things. I take, I, I, I really have a problem with that. I have a problem with it because that's not what the Bible um, means when they're talking about prosperity. Prosperity can be wealth. However, any wealth that's given, anything that's prosperous, is given to you by God, right? You can't do that. You can't just yeah. say you did it. You know, it's given to you by God. So my question is, how do we get to this point where it's so, one, commercial, two, where it's become about money. You want to start? You want to? I'll let you take that one, Juan, first. Then uh, Miss Madame, we'll come back to you. Okay. Uh, I I just think that whenever somebody sees an opportunity to take advantage of someone, then that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So if you if you get into religion and your whole idea is to try to prosper from it, what you try to do is find people that are gullible or people that are not as educated as you are and try to present yourself in a position that makes them feel lesser than you are. And then when you get that done, then they'll give you anything. Mm-hmm. My pastor, people, I've heard people say that they invited the pastor over to the house and before the husband could eat, the pastor ate. Mm. We don't do that. Something, wrong. Something is wrong with that. That's that's a problem. He's he's at my house eating my food. That's a a big problem. Exactly. (laughs) 
But see, when you put a man into that position and make him feel like he's next to God, then that's how you're going to treat him. And so that's why it's not so difficult to get $500 out of somebody and say, well, if you don't give me this money, then you're not going to be blessed by God. Mm. If you don't give me this fancy car, then uh, God is not going to bless you the way that he wants to bless you. So you have to make sure that you're taking care of me first, and then all your blessings are starting to, to, to flow in. And so that's why you have a pastor driving a $100,000 car, and you can barely pay your light bill. That's right, because then when my when I'm behind on my light bill, or I'm behind on my mortgage, or I'm behind on my rent, I go to the church, and I can't get zilch out of them. Well, they'll tell you that you can come to them, but then they're going to give you a whole questionnaire application <laughs> and all this stuff just to get the money that you already put in. <laughs> but you gotta, you better give that tenth, though. You better give that tenth that they've been exactly. talking about. Exactly, you got to give that tenth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ms. Bedane, what do you think? Okay, yeah. So I do want to touch on a couple points there. So um, now I'm not an expert, but I do read and I do go to church and I do um, listen and, you know, so I'm not an expert. But um, what I have gathered over the years, and and I have not, I haven't experienced um, with my current church anything like like in regards to, Dollars, thank God. My previous church I did, actually, that was a part of my church hurt, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't touch on that. Um, however, um, God said, so from my understanding, is that tithes are not just dollars. Tithes can be given in the form of um um, just different things. You can you can tithe to the church. You can buy your somebody that you know and need groceries. Mm-hmm. You can tithe different ways. You can um, give in time. That could be tithes as well. Serving servitude. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just tithes. I think that if we because God says study to show yourself approved. Like if we studied um, what He meant the tithes was. Um, then we would have a better understanding. Also, God said in the Bible, I do know, I don't know the verses, but he said um, there was a point where the church was bringing all the goods and everything to the storehouse, which is the church. Mm-hmm. So if people brought, if people brought, not just in money, but if people brought things to the church and, and in regards to goods and supplies, if there was a need, if you, we wouldn't have any needs. Outside of, you know what I'm saying? Everybody would have what they needed. If there was a need here, especially if you go to a particularly large church, somebody could probably help that. It doesn't always have to be in tithes, to my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do tithe, but I do, I give a portion to the church, but I always try to find somebody else that I could bless, even if it's in my family or if it's, you know, Lord, let me, if there's somebody with groceries, etc. Mm-hmm. But I do think that. African American churches, because I have not experienced this, and I don't know for sure, but personally, I have not experienced this with um, a lot of other churches in regards to money. Mm-hmm. I feel like African American churches have come from a place where we have been deprived so much, whereas once we got more dollars and power and things like that, it kind of took over us. Now, God isn't against money. He, he He's not against money at all. He's a, I believe he's against mismanagement of the things that, that he blesses you with, be it money, be it yeah. family, 
be mm-hmm. it time, be it uh, your health, you know, just different, your job, you know, everything. He's against mismanaging the things that he's blessed you with. So when you're talking about um, God's not against money, he's, he wants you to be fruitful right. and multiply. He wants you to be a lender. How do you be a lender? You got to have money, mm-hmm. you know, but... You have to manage it, and your intentions should be right. And so I really strongly feel that I'm, you know, and I'm not saying every African-American church, but we have a lot of examples, whereas, you know, they've said, oh, too much money is evil, Mm -hmm. or if you, and then, or like you guys said, you'll have the pastor over here driving a Bentley, and the people over here walk in a church. That I have a problem with. Mm-hmm. That's a big no no. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have to answer to God for that. So I just feel like I've experienced more of that in the African American church because of where we've come from mm-hmm. and the I feel like a lot of things that we taught previously was out of religion and I feel like now things are being um just opened up more, just you know, and changed. Like the teachings are different now. Mm-hmm. So that's how I feel. I think I think it's all about interpretation, right? I think I think um, when you think about law and the laws of the land, right? The reason there are so many attorneys is because each attorney interprets law differently, right? That's why we have disputes. That's why people go to court, and the judge is supposed to be the one to say that the law, based on my knowledge and my based on my knowledge and my ability, this is the way that the law is supposed to be interpreted. And I think we will forever have this this type of problem because everyone interprets the law, I'm sorry, the Bible differently, right? So we always say on a daily basis, there's nothing that you can get, give me, pay me enough money as far as my time. What do you hear rich people always say? People, that 1% of people. Um, example, Shark Tank. What do they always say? My time is important, right? So to Ms. Madame's point, if you are in a ministry that you're over, that is your time, right? If you're doing yep. it from the convenience of your home, that is your time. That's time that's being uh-huh. taken away from your family so that you can give on to God. The problem that yep. I have is I'm giving you my time. I don't want to hear when I go to church about this is the lowest amount of tithing that I've ever received. We're not giving enough. Um, we're not receiving enough. It costs money to, you know, cut these lights on. It costs money to do this. And I get that. There's a, there is a business, per, you know, a perspective of it, right? But at the same time, know your audience. Know your audience. If you're in a blue-collar urban area, you need to understand that there's only, where the average income may be $25,000 or, or, you know, slightly more, then there's a certain amount of money that you should expect to get from your offering, Right? Don't expect right. to people if you know to donate as if they were, you know, affluent people living in Beverly Hills, the way that you know they may do- donate to a church and give. You can't ex- you can't put that on people because then the guilt factor comes in. People feel bad. Well, maybe I'm not giving enough, right? And instead of giving twenty this week, maybe I give eighty, and that sixty dollars that I added on to that twenty. Was supposed to go to my light bill, or was supposed to go to my kids' tuition for daycare for the week, and I'm hoping that God looks out, looks look looks out for me, 
and that I have a break so nothing occurs and I'm still able to pay these bills. And see, that's the other thing that I wanted to get into. Do you guys feel like pastors play on the psychological of its church members? And what I mean by the psychological, the psychological is what do we most of the time when we have a lot on our mind or even if you don't have a lot on your mind, you go to church. What do people say after they leave church most of the time? Man, I feel great. Right. I feel great. That was a great sermon. I feel real good. Oh, it just brought me so much joy. Right. Is it is it really bringing you joy or is it just that you heard something that made you feel good? Right. Because. One, if I have issues that I've had bottled up and I call you and I say, hey, Juan, this is what's going on, man, X, 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 and S, and you guide me and, you know, as a friend, as a relative, and you tell me, well, Frank, look at it this way. Well, look at it that way. And I get done having a conversation with you and I feel like something's been lifted off me, right? It's because I, I gave you information about something that was bothering me. You counseled me. And help me with my situation, and it's not on my mind anymore. And I think some churches, not all, some churches play on that, right? They play on the psyche of its members, one, to either make them feel guilty about not giving enough or not doing enough, because it doesn't always have to be in the form of a tithe. It can be in form of not, you know, giving enough, uh, I mean, not doing enough within the church. And two, um, they play on that psyche of things that the most average people go through on a daily basis. We all have problems, right? But some of them feast right. on those problems and use that to their advantage to make people say, you know, oh, I just felt great. He's such a great pastor. Well, you could have talked to a relative and, and got some of that stuff off of your chest, so to say, and you might have felt just as fine. You could have went to a therapist, laid on the couch, told him your problems for about an hour session or a 45-minute session, and you might walk that walk out feeling just like you feel when you leave church. So it's a, it, I think it's a, I think it is, mm-hmm. it's a very, very thin line. And I just want to know what do you, what do you guys think about that? Am I on? I would say that I have to make sure that you have to have a relationship with God personally. Mm-hmm. And not depend on other people to be a go between between you and God. Mm-hmm. If if a person knows that you're vulnerable, they're gonna take advantage of you. That's just human nature. Mm-hmm. People do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I ask myself, what's the difference between a punk and a pastor? If you think about it, mm-hmm. that they do the same purpose: try to get people to do something that they would not normally do. Mm. A pimp tries to get a woman to sell herself. A a Pastor, if he's corrupt, he try to get people to give him things that they would not normally give him. Mm-hmm. So that that's the same mindset. So you have to be careful about who you're putting your trust in when you really don't know why you're putting your trust in that person. Just because that person says something that makes you feel good, look at that person. What is that person really like? Is he really there to comfort you and, and to aid you in your time of need, or is he just there for that moment just to get whatever he can out of you? Mm. Look at look how many people have have gone to these televangelists, and then when something happens in their lives, they start feeling church hurt. As we're talking about um, the the guy in Atlanta, uh, Eddie Long. Mm-hmm. How many people do you think that got disappointed by his actions? But all this while, they've been trusting in him and putting their faith in him and relying on him to to be that light for them. And a lot of people got disappointed because of the things that he was doing. And so you can't just only put your, your trust into a man because man is going to let you down 100% of the time. Trust God in everything that you go through. And not just what a man tells you. 
Okay. Madane? Um, I, I think that um, in regards to um, manipulating um, uh, the body or members, um, I would say that it's the response. The responsibility is too again heavily weighed on the preacher. Mm-hmm. You know, so if it, put it in this aspect, if you're going to college, right, right, and you go to class, you come with your pencil, your pad, ready to learn. You take the information that the teacher has taught you, you study it, and you apply it to try to. You know what I'm saying? Now, we can look at that in regards to a career, but the Word of God is to apply for your life. Mm. Take that and you apply it for your life. So I feel it's the responsibility for pastors and preachers or whatnot is to teach the body of Christ, to teach them plainly. Mm-hmm. Make it simple. You know what I'm saying? I feel like we compli- uh, preachers do complicate things a lot, right. but I uh, teach and then also, um, and of course, you want to make sure, like, like I want to say, you're under the right, right body. You know what I'm saying? Of Christ, right preacher. I think it's the responsibility of the members to again take that information, um, weigh it against to make sure it's of the Bible, because we can't just put all our trust. Because you know, when we get to, you know, if you got if whoever believe in Christ, it, when God comes back, when Jesus comes back. He's not going to say, oh, he's not going to come to me and say, oh, or my pastor and say, oh, how did you manage uh, uh, Madame's life? Mm-hmm. No, he's going to come to me. It's my mm-hmm. responsibility to know these things, apply these things, and work this thing out with God in my relationship. And I feel like as far as support in the in the church, I don't feel like it's the pastor's job to totally support. That's why you have people on staff, like elders. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, not to say all of them are perfect, but elders, you have teachers, whatever, there's a staff there for a reason, but we can't weigh on them either all the way. We have to do some of the work ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that goes back... I, I really feel that way. Yeah, so that goes back to that, that adage of staying focused and not letting your, the personal the personal feeling, right, detour you right. from why you're really there, right? You're really there mm-hmm. for God, and you have to remember. And, you know, it, it can be tough, especially if you're experiencing church hurt where you've been, you feel like you've been shunned, or you're trying to get to the pastor to express your feeling, how you feel, the way that you, you, know, you were treated, and you got to go to three or four people to get to him as if he's the president, Right. I've seen places like mm-hmm. that as well where I have to – there's nothing wrong with That's making an appointment true. for a pastor. There's nothing wrong with that. But I should not have to sit down with someone on his staff, explain my situation to the staff, you know, in a, like an interview-like manner, and then they decide if I'm going to be able to speak to the pastor, especially if I'm a member of that church, I'm over a ministry or working in a ministry, and I'm tithing. I should be able to make an appointment with the pastor to speak with him or her regarding my issue. And I've seen situations where it's it's layers, right? You can make take six or seven times, for, you know, six or seven people before you get to the pastor. 
I don't think it should be that way either. Right. Maybe I'm not comfortable with them. Maybe my interactions with them, maybe they're the problem that I'm having, right? So I think it goes back to that adage of knowing where you are, to Madame's point, knowing where you are, knowing the body, right? And if you decide to stay in that church, understanding that you are there for your relationship with God. Now, we all know that's hard, but you have to have someone snap you into it because I know me. If I get upset about something with people, I can be petty. I I know I can be, you know what I mean? I can be petty. And sometimes it takes, you know, someone to tell me, no, this is the reason why you're going. And if it's at the point where you cannot continue to, you still find yourself forgetting about the relationship with God, then what you need to do is find you another church. Because, um, you know, sometimes in churches, you have a good group of people come in, and they're there for years, and then suddenly they leave. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Suddenly they leave. And, they're tra- you know, people are trying to find out why they're leaving, and you, you know, you, you, you don't know. You don't know the reason, but there's a reason why they left. There's something that has happened that has caused those people to say, you know what, this is not for me. So I think that... Um, I think that those are very, very, very good points, which while we're, we're speaking on that, this is a, a great segue into the second part of of the podcast, which is um, why are so many people um, leaving, you know, straying away from religion? And, you know, I looked this up. I did a little research on what's out there, and there's a, a bunch of different things. One of the things that I found that were interesting was they were saying um, a lot of a lot of millennials are basically see the things that we're talking about, right? And because they see those mm-hmm. things, millennials have no problem in telling you how they feel if they feel that something is not right or if something is hypocritical. So it was bringing up the point of millennials saying that they're seeing a lot of hypocrisy within the church not just among black churches, but one, you brought up the Catholic church, right, with what's going on there, and that has been going on for years. There's been tons of stories about molestation in the Catholic church. I know it has also come into the African-American church. I've heard stories about that. Um, um, You know, Bishop Eddie Long, you know, in his situation, there's been a lot of things that um, have been happening in in churches. So, um, one, what do you think? Why do you feel, or why do you, you know, why do you think so many people are straying away from religion? Uh, I think one of the biggest reasons, as I was saying earlier, is that people really don't understand the concept of the church, what the church is. Mm-hmm. Uh, people want the church to get involved in things, when in reality what they're saying is that they want the main person over that church to get involved with things. Because no matter where you are, if you are a member of the church, you're a member of the church. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take... 50 of us to try to fix something, I can do it with just a couple of people. Mm -hmm. But people don't look at it that way. They think that every effort that it takes to move something, it takes a group of people. Well, look at Colin Kaepernick. It only took one person. Mm -hmm. One person to change people's thoughts and and people's ideas. Boy, they big mad about that. People have got this... uh, (laughs) And and you have to get out of this mindset of, well, if they're not going to do anything that I want to be a part of them. Well, everybody doesn't have your same goals in mind that you might have. Everything's not important to people the way that might be important to you. And so a lot of younger people 
get so involved and, and, and think that, well, I don't want to be a part of this because they're not doing anything for the community. But why does it take the church, quote unquote, to help in your situation? Why can't a group of your friends get together and help in whatever problem it is that you're trying to trying to deal with? Mm-hmm. Stop looking to. Uh, I think that's one of the problems that this country has is that everybody wants to rely on somebody else to fix something for them instead of them trying to fix it for themselves. Mm. That's why I believe that if you have the ability to do something, you do it. Don't wait on anybody else because you're going to be waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Mm. If you need something done, do it yourself. Mm. And so I believe that a lot of a lot of young people don't want to be a part of the body, don't want to get into church and get to all this stuff because just look at it and saying, well. They're not doing anything. They're not helping. They're not moving for the cause. So I'm going to find other people that believe what I believe in and want to do what I want to do. And I'm, I'm going to join myself to them. Now, and, and that's. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, what I was going to say was now, one, I'm going to play devil's advocate on that one, right? And, and here's the reason why I'm going to play devil's right. advocate. And, I'm gonna, and both of you guys tell me what you think. I hear what you're saying, but. If you go back and you look in history, history shows you, especially amongst African-Americans, the church was a big part within the community, huge part within the community. So if the church is preaching, hey, we need to be out in the community, we need to be doing this, you need to give back to your community, because they do, and then they don't see them out there, that's where I think they, they... Talk about the hypocrisy. So I can certainly understand why they may feel that way. And that's why I'm not understanding where did we lose that great history that we had. You know, I'm getting tired of seeing every time a a black man gets killed or there's some form of police brutality, Al Sharpton and Jesse. Them the only two that I've seen. You you, you understand Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Now, I'm pretty sure that there's some other pastors that are out there, but they're not as prominent as those figures. Um within the community, you know, and you just don't see that anymore. You don't see it the way that you used to see it. Church was the foundation of family. And when church was the foundation of family, it was also the foundation of community. And when you don't see those things, you're bringing up a younger generation where technology is a huge thing for them. You know, everything is done through social media. And that is one of the things that they know and understand that works because they've seen it in the past. The history tells them that, hey, if the church is involved and they get involved in these civil civil rights, um, some of these things and civil rights that are happening within our own community, this thing may change some of the ways that we see things or you know some of the things that are happening. But when they don't see it and then they get preached to about those same things, I think that's where they're struggling with the hypocrisy of the church. So, you know, what, what, what do you think about that, uh, Ms. Madame? I, I, does that make sense to what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I definitely, definitely believe that. Like, if you're going to be, I mean, it's like, it's like if you have a child and you're saying, don't do this, or you should be doing that. Like, you straighten up your bed, but, but my bed is always messy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be like, what? You know what I'm saying? Or... Just whatever it is. Oh, you're not supposed to curse, but I'm up here cursing like a sailor. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I feel like these days there is a lot of legalities that churches, like separation between church and state. 
type of issues going on. There's a lot of that going on, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of churches have uh, ceased to do things because they don't want to be sued. They don't want to, you know, just a lot of different things that can happen these days. So they have stopped being this lion of Judah, I guess you could say for a pun, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like they stop being that um, because you have a lot of legality issues. And then also, um, it, 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 we churches just have gotten away from its roots, its grassroots of what are we here for? Souls. Mm-hmm. Strictly souls. And it's mapped out in the Bible. You know, how things are supposed to go, how you're supposed to go. I mean, that's a whole other topic, the Bible and everything, you know, like, you know, but it's mapped out how you're supposed to go about doing it, you know, and it's really, honestly, the Bible is like really simple. It's very clear to the point, et cetera. Um, But I feel like it's gotten away from, from its grassroots. There's a lot of legal issues, a lot of selfish intent um yeah yeah i mean yeah that's that's my take on it. I, I truly feel like yeah if you're going to be saying do this and saying do that yeah you need to be doing it too one but how do you but how do you follow the bible if people want to colorize the bible by that i mean what i mean is a lot of people look at things that the bible says and they say well that's the bible trying to make me to be a white person, or the Bible was written by white people, or mm. so I don't want to be a part of this. So how do you deal with that conflict when that's not the main objective? The main objective is to save souls to try to make the world a better place. Regardless right. of what color you believe Jesus is, the principles of the Bible will help you in life struggle. Mm-hmm. Right. It don't matter if, if Jesus was white, black, red, yellow, it doesn't matter. Right. If you just look at the Bible and the things that the Bible says, It'll help you to live a better life, a less stressful life, a less violent life. But mm. people don't want to look at it. All they want to look at is, well, this is a white man's book. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. I'd rather be with a religion of, of color, so to say, than to follow what the Bible says. So how do you right. how do you deal with that? So honestly, I mean, you have to deal. I feel like you have to deal with people. Um, on the level that they are. So if somebody's trying to colorize the Bible, they may not be on the level that you could speak to them, you know, that you want to speak to them. Um, and then also you have people that pick things out of the Bible so that they can not try to be, you know, because they don't, they, they, they want to run from it or they just try not, they don't want to be involved. So they try to pick it apart. You know what I'm saying? So I don't argue the word. Actually, the word says don't argue. Like, you know, I don't feel like you should argue the Bible um, at all. I'm not going to try and prove my point. I'm going to say, you know, what I feel like I'm going to say carefully. Mm-hmm. Um and if that's the case, like if somebody, like if my daughter asked me about that, how what I would approach that is basically say exactly what you said. You know, the spirit is no color. Ultimately, right. God is a spirit. You know what I'm saying? So again, yeah, you, you, yeah, you can say, oh, white man's Bible, King James, and then you got a whole history behind King James. 
But when I have had an experience with Christ, mm-hmm. when I've accepted Jesus, in my, Jesus Christ in my life, and I have had experiences that are undeniable, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. You have, when you have a relationship with Christ and you have a spirit living in you and you feel and know the voice of God and the unctioning and that pull from the spirit of God, it's undeniable. It's undeniable until I think, until people are able to have experiences like that, they can't relate. Like if I'm a new mom, like if I don't have a child, and I can't relate to people who got kids. So until you've had those experiences, you can't relate and you can't argue with those people. You just have to make it clear and pray for them. You can't argue it because it makes it worse. That's how I feel. Mm. One, and, and we were talking about. Uh-huh. Let me let me ask you this. We were talking about um, African American churches. What defines an African American church? What I mean by that is this: if you have an all white congregation, and then the pastor is black, uh-huh. what kind of congregation is that? Or if you have an all black congregation and the pastor is white, what kind of congregation is that? Oh, yeah. so the reason I'm asking that is that the thing, the, the congregations or the churches I see that are growing uh-huh. are the ones that don't really focus so much on race. Mm-hmm. Like Elevation Church or right. or Potter's um, House and stuff like that, they really their numbers are increasing. But it's all of these little African Americans, the Southern Baptists, all this stuff. That's where the numbers are going down at. Mm-hmm. That's what people are not being a part of. That, Religion. Now, now you you know one. What's funny is I was going to mention this. Well, I wasn't going to mention this because um I took a snapshot of something I saw on social media. And I wasn't going to bring it into our conversation, but you you brought it up. So this is a perfect segue for it. So you talked about colorization of the Bible. I'm going to read something to you guys. This is um, from uh, something I, I just saw on social media on someone's Facebook page. But here's what it says. Religion was made up to control people because of the elite. The elite saw that once people have blind faith without questioning something, they can be easily manipulated. All Christian holy days were invented on the same day as pagan holy days. All pagan religions were combined into one by Constantine, and a story was made up to say a god came to earth and said all these things so people can believe. They then began to try and make it historically true and tried real hard to force it into history as facts, which government wouldn't want to manufacture, a religion of peace, so they can manipulate submissive citizens into their kingdoms. It said Christianity was able to rip off pagan practices because it was backed by the Roman government. Constantine wanted to combine all religions because it caused division in his kingdom. So everyone was forced by the edge of the sword to convert to Christianity. There are no original Christian practices that anyone can prove existed. All Christian holidays were invented on the same day, Sunday, is for Sunday worship, Saturday, Saturn, worship, Passover on same day as Easter, Christmas, birthday of all pagan gods. Now, there's a couple of facts that I know are true historically. One of the facts is, at one point in time, there was a time where, uh, I don't know if it was the Roman Catholic Church, um, and, and I'm not sure, Juan, you may know, but there was a time where they were burning people in the streets that did not believe in Christianity. Um, and, and that was... Um, uh, 
there 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 was there was I, I, and I my historical fact may not be there, but I do know uh, that that was a part of of the religion. Because when you think about it, if you remember, because I had to ask my pastor this because I didn't understand the question I had was, we say what Roman Catholic, right? Roman Catholic Church. When mm-hmm. you talk about the Catholic Church, yeah. and as we know, they're in the Vatican and in Italy and all that stuff. So my question was. The Romans, um, you know, it was it was uh, Pilate that um, condemned Jesus, right? He basically said, hey, they, the people said crucify him. He agreed. They crucified him. Those were the Romans. The Romans at that time, according to the Bible, did not believe in um, God and Christianity. Uh, they were worshiping, right. I guess, you know, false gods. So I wanted to know, like, when did this change? You know what I mean? That was my question because now it's called Roman Catholic. So, at what point in time did the Romans uh, change their views on religion? And he told me uh, the time. I don't remember because this is a conversation a while back. But he did indicate that there was a change because there were two things. There were some true believers, right? And the other part was they did see it as a way to control the people. And as you know, the Romans were trying to do that anyway. So, that sort of made sense to me. Um but that is a prime example of what you're talking about, what you were saying earlier about colorizing the Bible, right? Now, this is off of the social yep. media page, and this is why a lot of people, I guess, feel the way that they feel because they believe that some of that stuff is true. I don't think it's true because when you just look at it and we just use our common sense, I was thinking about this the other day, like, and we probably all had our moments when we think about, like, how did we get here as a people, as human beings? You know, mm-hmm. how was the sky invented? How is this able to happen? You know, um, how do you explain some of the things that happen in your life? Um, to Miss Madame's point earlier, you know what I mean? That's when you say, you know, the <laughs> what they say, but God. That's when you say those yeah. things. I've experienced it. I think we all have experienced it. But... When you talk about colorization of the Bible, there are some things that you, you, you do question. Now, the one thing that we have to remember is, to what we have all agreed, agreed upon, is man, right? Man mm-hmm. takes the history that they find, and then they write that history, and then it's passed down over time, over centuries, and you know, until it gets to that point. So there was a King James, <laughs> So I don't understand that part. There was a King James. But um, historical facts are not always accurate, right? So what you have to do is get the gist of what God is trying to say and then interpret that, which is why people study evangelism, which is why people study the Bible, so you can get a better understanding of what God is trying to tell their people. So... Everything, I, in my opinion, is not going to be perfect, but you can't say that this part is true and then say this part is not true, you know, because right. where is the proof on that? I mean, do, do, do you, you guys understand what I'm saying? Does that, does that make Absolutely. sense? You know, I, I, I just, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't like the colorization of it. Um, I've heard some people say, hey, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. I've heard people say, you know, there are atheists who believe in higher beings but don't believe in God per se, right? And and actually, there's a a, lo- a large number of atheists 
that are out there, if you do the research, there are a large number of more and more people becoming atheists um, because they believe in a higher being. They know that Earth was created. They believe in all that stuff, but they don't believe it was done by one overall powerful being. Heck, and I say some people believe aliens. You know, you know who who are we to know? <laughs> but but at the end right. of, at the end of the day, historically, because we weren't there, because the technology is not what it is today, we, you know, we're depending on man to give us as much information as possible. And I think that's my answer to, well, this is not right. When people point that out, that's not true. Well, how do you know? There's no proof to say that it is not true. This is what it says. It may not be historically accurate. It may not have happened exactly to the T the way that they said it happened, but um, yeah. it happened. You know, that's that's the way I look at it. What, what do you think about that, Warren? I, I agree that a lot of people take things out of the body use it for their own purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching a, a video on YouTube about this this Caucasian pastor was telling his, his congregation that if you try to marry somebody out of your race, I wouldn't marry them. I'll probably pretty much shun you because the Bible says that we're not supposed to be doing that, and that's a lie. Mm-hmm. That's completely false. That's not what the Bible teaches. When God says separate yourself, he's talking about people of different religions or different uh, faith systems that worship idol gods, not race and color. That had nothing to do with the Bible because God wants everybody together regardless of your your creed, your color, your nationality. He wants everybody to be one. Mm-hmm. And so when people start picking and choosing things out of the Bible to prove their purpose or, or to, to move in their direction, then that's what they're going to do. It's like these people... Uh, said nothing about Christianity that um, it's a religion. Christianity was a, a religion of slavery. Well, back then they might have used the Bible for that purpose, but if you look at what slavery he was talking about in the Bible, it has nothing to do with the slave trade from Africa. Basically, he was talking about indentured servants. That's what the slave was talking about. Mm-hmm. If you uh, are a slave, then you submit yourself to your master. We weren't talking about well, if somebody comes to your country and rapes your people and takes you hostage that you have to submit yourself to them. No, that's self-defense. If you have the opportunity to, to, um, to protect yourself, you protect yourself. But he's more or less saying that if you have willingly put yourself into somebody else's care, then it's right for you. Just like an employee, if your employee says be there at nine o'clock and you agree with him that you wanted this job, then that's what you do. Mm-hmm. So people need the Bible twisted up when your heart is evil, when you want to, try to subdue people or do whatever it is you want to do to people, you can't find a scripture in the Bible to prove your purpose. That's why we have so many churches. Mm. Because everybody wants to pull out something out of the Bible and control people and say, well, this is what you need to be doing because this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says, but in context, is that what the Bible means? Mm. And there's a difference between what the Bible says and what the Bible means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about the tithes. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says anything about tithing money. When they're talking about tithing, they're talking about produce. Mm-hmm. Whatever yeah, you about take from the land, yeah, yep. Whatever you take from the land, ten percent of that. What? Exactly, they had yep. nothing to do with money. They wouldn't even um, monetary. But, but yeah. see, what they did is they. Sorry to cut you off. That ain't right. That's all right. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, all right. I'm she feeling. She feeling that one more. All right. Say, <laughs> I'm sorry. Cause I was going to say that, and it just got me excited. Uh-huh. Um, but they were talking about produce, but I. So produce back then was equivalent to dollars mm-hmm. to us trade. Yeah. It mm-hmm. was trade, you know. But they did that once a year at mm-hmm. the beginning of the year in the Bible or whenever the harvest, whatever. Actually, it was three it times a year. Was it three? Yeah, three? Okay. 
Yeah, it had three festivals. They had to attend. They had to give a Tylenol three festivals. Mm. Okay, it wasn't. It wasn't every paycheck. Mm. Right. Exactly. It wasn't. See, see, Juan, you educated me, man. Because I'm gonna <laughs> tell you something. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard and had have had people read that scripture where it says give a tenth when what you're talking about, what you guys are talking about. And mm-hmm. <laughs> the way it was put to me and members of the church, which you're talking about tithing and giving, that offering. Mm-hmm. Now, I I would probably say, I'm not a betting man, but I would probably say if you challenged a pastor on that, they would say something to the effect of, well, that was then, what can you give yeah. now and accept what what's going to help this church go is money. I'd say, yeah, I'd, but you know, you have, to, you have to put the Bible in its place. If the Bible is supposed to come before everything else, it comes before everything else. I can't help that you want to have a 500 seat building, but you only got 25 members. That's not my fault. You did that. <laughs> You're so stupid. So don't be dependent on me to help you pay the light bill in this building when it was your idea and the leadership to do that. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7, we should give willingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not grudgingly. Right. Now, if you're making me do something, then that's grudgingly. I'm not giving freely. Mm-hmm. God is not blessing my giving because I'm doing it out of consumption. Mm-hmm. I'm being forced to do something that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So God is not going to get a blessing off that. I'm not going to get a blessing off that because I'm really doing something I don't want to do. If my heart is not into it, then you can't make me do something that my heart is not willing to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let me let me ask you, because there there's this guy... Um, I'm from, Ni- I'm from Niagara Falls, New York, and I don't remember his name, but there's this guy that lives in Niagara Falls, and he has a really good understanding of tithes and offer in this sector in the Bible. My mother knows him, and she told me that the churches shun him. They will not let him speak. They will not let him come to the church because he tells the truth about tithes. So I don't have the... I know bits and pieces of it, but so how does, so when you said three times a year, what does that mean? Like how did they, was it three times a year according to, and I just want to know from my knowledge, and maybe other people want to know too, um, three times a year according to what amount was it like, how does that, what was it just due to a particular harvest or was it a cons- consumption of multiple harvests? Because you got people paying. I mean, whew, you got people it's basically, who make it. It's Go basically ahead. whenever you plant a crop and that crop comes up, ten percent of that goes to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because you there. have different. Yeah, so you have different times of year that you plant certain. Um, yields and certain things come up so when you okay. plant them and when they come up then you give a tenth of that back to god and okay. what people don't understand is basically that was for the jews anyway that was not for christians mm. that that was the local under jesus christ's time and so they have people trying to do things under basically trying to convert them to be jews when they're supposed to be christians mm-hmm why are you telling me to do something that the Jews did, but you're telling now that I'm a Christian? You can't do both of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's one or the other. 
Mm. Well, I ain't know that one. That's that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one right there. Uh so so when you look at so when you look at church and and, and again, I know we we went off of I mean it turned into a whole another yeah. conversation. But when you look at you know, people but leaving see, that really church. goes back to everything we're talking about anyway, because people are not given the truth and so they stay away. So mm-hmm. it's still relevant. Mm-hmm. 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 Irrelevant. So let's let's talk about let's talk a little bit about um and this will be going into our final segment. Let's talk a little bit about let's talk about these uh some of these uh so called mega churches. Do you feel like church mm-hmm. is more of a production for the masses than an actual praise unto God for fellowship, you know, fellowship with the members and praise unto God? Because more and more you're seeing, and I and I get it. We're in a technological age, and there are certain things that you you do need for church, right? But yeah. I've never seen such at times such a mass production. And in some instances, some churches has a they have directors that actually make sure that the church sermon is going the way that it needs to go, right? So do you do you think that mm-hmm. church has become more of a production almost? you know, content like than actually getting the point in the word of of the word out to people. Because, you know, you go in, you got the big screens and I understand why that stuff is there, but then, you know, you got the the bands and, you know, it, I mean church is, you know, um uh, I can't think of it, uh what is it, uh Lake is it Lakeview? Is that Joel Olstein's church? Is it Lakeview Church? Lakewood. Lakewood. Lakewood, I think. Right? Lakewood yeah. Church. He has a, you know, whole old coliseum uh, down there in Texas, and uh, it's huge. And when you see the sermons on TV, you see thousands of people in there uh, attending. Um, I mean, but how do you feel about that? Do you you guys think that the those people are growing with the church? Um, because they knock him too. They knock Joel too. They knock Joel because they said Joel is always preaching. Everything is happy and everything is good. And I actually like Joel, but. Um, <laughs> he's a good presenter, but he's really not a preacher. Right. If you really listen to his sermons, he really does not talk about the Bible whatsoever. Mm-mm. He might give you a scripture, but then the rest of the sermon is about stories and things in his life, basically. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really scriptural. Mm-hmm. But then you have someone like Stephen Furtick. I love Stephen Furtick. Mm-hmm. But at times, I, I feel like it's overproduced sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not the preaching part, but just everything else that's going on around it. Mm-hmm. The lights and, and stage and just the whole atmosphere seems to be like a big production mm. so it's, it's 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 both ends he gives the word like it should be given but then it's just all the other stuff that goes along with it it's mm. like a, a mini rock concert mm. okay okay so and i think that's what go ahead mm-hmm. no no go ahead sorry no i was just going to say that basically I, I believe that's why a lot of people are attracted, like we are saying earlier about the mega churches, because they see all of the glitz and the glamour and all the environment, and that's what they're drawn to. Right. Now, if they really dig into the word and listen to the word, I don't know. Well, Hopefully, you, they would get something out of it. But if if you're just going for the entertainment value, then you're not doing any better than staying at home. Right. Like, when did it become a popularity contest to decide to tell everybody what church you go to? Because you know, I've heard those conversations too. <laughs> I've heard those kind. Of, Yo, I go to Af, you know, Bethany African American AME. You, you know what I mean? Like I've I've heard those conversations, and then you've heard people say, "Well, I'm going to go to such and such church." You know what I mean? 
because that's the church of popularity or the you know the church that everybody goes to you know it's become the the the, the reason why we should be going has become lost right it's not a popularity it's all about who's there right it's not a popularity contest it's about who's there right and, and you know um it's it's well you know such and such used to go to this church you know it's it's just it it can be too much and it can be overwhelming for someone especially a new believer you know that's the thing mm-hmm. that's the thing that i think that can get lost you'll lose a person very very quickly right because if i'm in there yep. to get you know to 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 feed and and to learn and to understand and get you know closer to god but you're not teaching me and i get caught up in this madness of production fancy cars fancy suits and you talking about money that person can be easily turned off by that new yep. you know a new believer cuz a new believer is still is still um a baby you know if you look at it the, you know the way that yep. they they talk about it in the bible so um, it's, I don't know, man, it's, it's tough. It's tough because. And I give an example of that. Um, a local news, news reporter, that's my minister. Mm-hmm. Okay. But when I invite people to church, I don't tell them that that's who the minister is. Mm. If you walk in and see him up there preaching, then you just see him preaching. But I'm not, that's not going to be my selling point. My selling point is going to be that you're lost and you need to be found. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it's all about. Trying to get yourself right with God. Mm. That's, what it, that's what it's supposed to be boiling down to, not because the mayor goes here or other civic leaders or somebody rich or famous goes here. That's not what it's about. If that's why you're going there, you're going there for the wrong purpose. If you're going to find a husband, you're going for the wrong purpose. Mm. If you're going to look for a wife, you're going for the wrong purpose. You're going to try to get yourself right with God. That's to be the main reason that you come to church. And people have lost that. They're trying to find all these other things that will suffice them in this world, but that's not going to suffice them. If you don't have a true relationship with God, then you, you're still lost. Mm. And that's what we should be all seeking, to be with God. All that other stuff just comes along later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Madame? Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, against, a, we, you can say, mega churches, because where are the people going to go? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have a place for people to go. Right. 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 And it's... You know, so I mean, um, but again, yeah, how it's ran, um, of course, is in question. So my question would to this is because I've heard things like preachers say, "Well, I my ministry is to be a financial whatever," or mm. my ministry is. Yeah, or my ministry is to do X, Y, Z. Now, my question is, is it supposed to, I don't know, is it supposed to be whereas God used used you just for inspiration or just for financial capabilities and teachings, or are you just supposed to be preaching the Word of God, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't know with, I don't know with that. Um, I really don't know because if you want to mock what Jesus did, he just, and the disciples, I ain't going to say all the disciples because some of them was, you know, they was a little touched too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, and that goes to speak to church. If disciples and stuff was church and that was, and that was Jesus' role, that was, that was Jesus' boys. 
I mean, we mm-hmm. can't expect per- perfect people, but are you just supposed to be teaching inspiration? Are you just supposed to be an, um, you know, feel good type of person? Um, no, I think that if you're feeling good, like you guys were saying, if you're coming to church and you're just feeling good and you're leaving, you're not applying these things or, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're just supposed to be supposed to be, uh, inspirational like you know nothing against joel oldstein but i i don't watch him as much right but i need work i need practicalities i need things that i could uh benchmark with the word of god Mm -hmm. when i read it and i need this to make sense Mm -hmm. when you teach me i don't need i don't need to feel good i need to say okay this is how i'm supposed to handle this situation when i'm going through I need that. I don't need to feel good. Right. I could do that, you know, with music. That <laughs> that goes back to what I had mentioned earlier that that um what you were talking about that faith-based prosperity, right? That faith-based prosperity where people assume that when those pastors and some pastors are very guilty of it, if they then they don't hide it. Hey, you do this, you're going to get this. You do that, you're going to get this. You know, and I just wonder sometimes how that person feels because you know it happens when those things don't happen, right? Because that's not yeah. that's not what the what God wants us. Well, I feel God wants. I think to Madame's question, I think that it's it's clear. I think that that pastor needs to speak to the Word of God, right? And if the Word of God says X, Y, and Z, then that's what you should be teaching now. You can add your own little spin to it, but at the end of the day, my question always goes back to what does the Bible say? That's the way that I would look at it, right? What does the Bible say? Again, interpretation is everything, right? One pastor may say, well, the interpretation is this. Another one may say the interpretation is that. But at the end of the day, when you're you're looking at the two, something to what both of them said should match. It's just that they're expressing it differently if they are giving the yeah. true the true meaning of of God. That's the way that I look at it, and that's that's why I always try to tell people use your common sense about what you're hearing and what you're seeing. What is your common sense telling you? Common sense is not telling you that if I give you a thousand dollars today, that God's going to say you gave this thousand dollars, and that thousand dollars is going to be three thousand dollars next. You know. The next time right. you turn around and that's what some of those pastors are doing not all of them but a lot of yeah. them i've seen stuff where and you've you've heard that one because you're agreeing with me where they'll say yeah. that well you know what if that's the case i'm not going to put my faith in you one because you're not god if i'm going to right. invest money right now i may take that thousand dollars invested in a business or a stock or a bond and hope and pray to God that, hey, whatever you decide that I get off of this $1,000, right, that I've invested in, that whatever it is, that you give it to me and I am thankful for it, right? That's the type of approach that we need yeah. to take. We shouldn't be listening to people say, hey, you give $3,000, watch God take that 3000 and make it 8 You know what I mean? And they are yeah. quick to do that. And no, people believe like that stuff. Like how? People believe it, though. I don't do that. Like, you know, he's going he's gonna to give you the tools to do it in regards to uh, plans, business ideas, uh-huh. investing. It's crazy how 
I hate that. Oh, turn around, stump on your foot, do a backflip and squat, and you're going to have $3,000. No. Yep. You have to take this money. I mean, and there's a there's 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 a story about the the the, the men with the talent. Mm-hmm. Actually, God shunned the one man for not flipping it. Mm. If I want to use my urban my urban words now, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he, he he shunned the man for not taking the money and flipping it and 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 being fruitful with it and not making it grow. Mm-hmm. So when you over here wasting your money and not waiting, you turn around. How you think? I think, you know, you just turn around some people. He probably like Jesus is probably like, what in the world? Right. <laughs> what did you say? Be uh, be good stewards, right? Yeah. yeah. Be good stewards of what he gives. Because that's what we all are. We just stewards. Right. Yeah. Because that's what we all are stewards. Mm-hmm. We own nothing. Yeah. Everything belongs to God. He just gives us certain thing to manage. Mm. Yeah. Expects us to manage them. Correct. That's all. Mm. Yeah. I like that. We are managers. Yep. Oh, that is crazy. That is crazy. Well, guys, we are coming up uh, on our time, but this has been a great topic. We're going to bring everybody back, and um, we'll get Floyd's conversation in here as well. So we'll we'll have that in within the podcast. But it's been a great conversation, you know, and uh, I want to thank you, Ms. Bedane, for coming on and uh, having a conversation yes. with us. Um, and, uh, you know, we look forward to having you come back on to discuss some other topics Maybe you can get involved in uh, Juan and I's political our political conversations, which are quite interesting. We, we haven't gotten there yet, have we? Huh? <laughs> yes, we haven't gotten there yet, have we? No, 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 no. Um, but we'll get on that. You know, we got midterms coming up, and um, all of our listeners, we want to make sure that you guys remember to get out there and vote, regardless of what yeah. side you're on, on. Make sure you use your common sense. Get out there. And if you are not registered to vote, make sure that you do so. Um, this has been episode 14. We've been talking about church hurt and why so many people are leaving the church. We have had our special guest, Miss Madame, on, and as you know, my co-host Juan. Thank you. And if um, hey, we we appreciate you coming on. And uh, why don't you go ahead and um, I always like for the guests if you oh, have social social media. <laughs> I'm not gonna ask you to spit. Don't worry, I'm not gonna ask you to spit. Uh, I thought that's what you. <laughs> I know, I know that's what you thought. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it this time. We'll we'll get you we'll get you next time. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and give everybody your oh, okay. social media where they can follow you at and um, listen to uh, listen to some of your music and um, reach out to you if they need some help with writing. Absolutely. So you can reach me on madamfirm.com. That is the website. You can scroll through there. There's music there. There's bio. There's videos there. Um, also, two places on IG Instagram. Um, it's um, Madam Firm, and then also officially Madame. You can reach me there. Um, you can also email me um, at rolls Carter. So rolls is R O L E S dot Carter at gmail dot com. And I would love to work with anyone who. Um, who's looking for a new, you know, type of music, just a new spin on it or whatnot. So those places you can reach me. Awesome. Make sure you guys uh, check her out. A lot of, lot of good talent, a lot of good music. And uh, she also, she doesn't just do like urban or hip-hop or R&B. She also does, from my understanding, gospel as well as some country. So <laughs> she doesn't discriminate do. within the music, I, within I, the music I, realm. I, I do gospel. Yeah, I do gospel, and it's so weird. I love, not all country music, but I love country music. 
Uh oh, Juan. I don't know what? why. Oh, I forgot. I don't what? know why. Hey, but hey, you know what? Hey. You can't look at. Don't do that. Juan, no Juan, 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 Juan owns his own trucking company, so Juan probably be out there on them long highways listening to country music too. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was about to say. I, I, knew, it. I knew it, bro. About it at all. I knew it. I knew it, man. Yeah. I, I guess there's 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 nothing wrong with a little Shania Twain every now and then. I guess that's uh, that's yeah. that's okay. Josh Turner and Jason Aldean. See, oh Lord, he's yeah, calling out names. You, probably, did you, did you watch the CMAs too, Juan? Is that what you do? Do you watch the CMAs as well? I don't know that. I'm not that deep into it. Oh, okay. A little bit. Okay. All right. All right. Well, guys, but, don't, but, don't. But the thing with that is, well, you have to understand that when you listen to country music versus listening to hip hop today, yeah, it's night and day. This is true. I can't. I can't even get. I can't even relate with that anymore. At least with country music, they talk about family and stuff like that. But I ain't got no beans. Yeah, I don't have no beans. I'm not gonna have one of them anytime soon. Plus, plus you, you, you're not popping no pills either. So you know, you, you know. Exactly. I'm not on my list. <laughs> You I'm said, not doing Molly. You said Molly. <laughs> you said, so said I'm not on Molly. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, it's been the Let's Be Honest podcast with Frank Styles. This has been episode 14. Remember, we are on all platforms. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Play and Stitcher. You know, you go to Spotify, you go into podcasts, you just search for Let's Be Honest with Frank Styles. Remember, Styles is spelled with S T Y L Z. You can follow me on Instagram at Frank underscore Styles, S-T-Y-L-Z. You can also follow me on Twitter at Frank Styles one Go ahead and uh, message me there. If you need promotioning, promotion or you are interested in voiceover work, film editing, or audio editing, you can catch my website at BossRadioStation.com. And on Facebook, you can follow our uh, Facebook page, which is Styles Boss Productions. And for Miss Madame and Juan, I am Frank Styles. This has been episode 14, and we'll talk to you later.